So I would like to introduce the next uh, person. This is Offa Zilberman. Uh, first time I met Offa was on a bit of grass <laughs> <laughs> in Luxembourg. We were playing football, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eleven years ago, and um, and uh, yeah. And it started an 11-year kind of relationship and offers one of these people who his, his grasp of data and his grasp of mathematics is in, incredible. And he's devoted his career, as you'll see, to the um, science of looking at data and looking at predictability of sales performance. Um, he's currently working with ServiceNow so I'm going to hand over now to offer, right. and um, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> I'd say good luck to you because I'm, to you. I'm going to bring it back to earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, start with my name. <laughs> right. It's pronounced Ofer, but not Ofer. <laughs> In Hebrew, I always get, I, I literally walk through the door, right? <laughs> I, I was asked. Um, some salespeople call me special offer, and uh, <laughs> you'll understand why soon. Um, I did not know or see the previous presentation, so everything you see here is completely coincidental, linked, because per the... <laughs> Dentistry reference at Richard's presentation. I'm also known as the dentist, and I've put uh, a couple of pictures of my favorite dentists. Um, because in the organization, they know, you know, you go to a dentist and he says, oh, you have a little bit of cavity here and there, you need a filling. And you go back home, it's like, ah, another dentist appointment. I'll just brush harder. And then, you know, the ca little cavity that could have been resolved with a little bit of filling turns into a root canal, and worst case, a tooth ex extraction, and then implants and all that. Where in cells, uh, unfortunately, if you do not take care of the filling, it could be result. It could result in beheading, as you all know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, in the organization, when they come to me, I can tell them if they have cavities, if they need a root canal, or just. Uh, run for the hill. <laughs> this is where I come from. I come from Israel. In case you don't know where Israel is, here's a map. <laughs> this is how we Israelis see <laughs> the world. Um, and I came to the UK uh, almost 20 years ago. And um, I find it uh, very much the same. You replace Iran with Russia. Um, you know, it's still an empire, in case you didn't know. So it does sit in the center of the universe, or at least the solar system. <laughs> um, maybe last one about myself. Yeah, I'm uh, very much tamed and I and, uh, love yoga. And that's my little one, seven months old, uh, born on Valentine's Day. Turned the corner from being a lockdown baby into a Valentine's baby. And uh, that's me, my... Uh, youth, so that may come out during the presentation, I'm just giving you a... <laughs> right, so there we go, torture. Um, insights, torture, and why crime pays. Um, a famous British economist once said, if you torture data long enough, it will confess. And I'm saying torture data was a crime, I would be behind bars, soon you will understand that. And torturing salespeople using data, crime pays. That's special <laughs> offer. And that's um, basically, I'm looking at all of you. If you look at your phone, I'm going to put you into this device. OK, let's set the scene. I joined ServiceNow uh, five years ago. And uh, the guy who recruited me there said, offer, he knew me from the previous gig. He said, I need a predictable business. I said, OK, can you break it down to me? Um, I said, I need to grow um, my business 50% next year. That's my target growth. And we're talking hundreds of millions. 
Um, I need to diversify my product portfolio by 50%. ServiceNow uh, product was uh, or is bread and butter IT service, IT service management, but the time is limited. We need to diversify into new markets, new departments, uh, new personas to sell. However, my sales force is extremely focused on the bread and butter. I can make my number on the bread and butter and still get fired because I didn't build for future growth. Some quick facts. Sales cycle, depends who you ask, takes between 9 and 12 months, right? Um, there's no discussion in the company or in my sales team beyond the current quarter. I don't know if that sounds familiar, but that obviously preoccupies all of us. Um, we are victims of our own success. That's uh, uh, now with a huge number of IPOs in the past year and a year and a half. You have salespeople, sales managers, the entire customer-facing organization sitting on stock uh, value that is 10 times, 20 times their compensation plan. So if I just ma manage to fly just below the radar, I rest and vest, right? I don't need to work hard to make a lot of money. And we don't know what good looks like. We have all this investment in sales, marketing, solution sales, business development, partners, inside sales, solution engineers. They are all around the salesperson, right? All those resources, but they all have their own KPIs. Yeah, they're flying in silos. There's nothing that kind of connects everyone. And when a marketing walks into a QBR and they talk about the generated pipeline, sales just sit there and say, okay, <laughs> 100 million, okay, what, but for when? Is it for next year or the after next year? So I'm not going to be around to enjoy this. I'm going to get fired because I miss pipeline now. <laughs> so sales is red and marketing is green, 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 green. I guess the laughter means familiar. So I thought, right, let's build a roadmap. I got the mission statement. However, I'm talking to sales. So the roadmap needs to be really simple. <laughs> Here it is. I kid you not, that's the roadmap I showed them. And I asked, who's the sales guy in the picture? To my dismay, 90% of the people pointed to the shark. I'm a shark. I said, no. Pirate. Pirate is the sales guy. Sales guy, you're supposed to want a treasure trove, right? And there's this... All those perils, all those um, things that get in the way for you making that big commission checks, namely deal desk, pricing, blocking your discount levels, all those things that happen in the organization that they um, don't let you do those sweet deals with 80% discount, <laughs> right? So how do we get there? How do you get through all those uh, blockers and, and make a lot of money? Um, so I'll illustrate it, and here I'm a little bit going to be shame compared to uh, the previous presentation where an eight-year-old was, uh, my God, with purpose statements and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> this is my son. That's when he was three years old. Now he's eight, incidentally, and uh, he's a very dangerous and scary pirate. And uh, rather than purpose, he has a quota of one million. <laughs> That's his purpose, so sorry. Um, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of math exercise to, so the il next illustration is clearer. So my son has two opportunities in the CRM system, each one one million. And um, considering one is for current quarter and the other is for the next quarter, if coverage is defined by pipeline divided by quota, then my son's coverage, the balls in the air to make his number is? One. Two. Two X, right? He has two million over a one million. That's how many balls he's got in the air in order to land the quota that he needs to land. Okay, that's just a coverage number, right? Then I'll talk a little bit, add some more color. The opportunity in the current quarter, we're already talking to power. We're talking to the economic buyer, all right? So it's fairly progressed in the pipeline, in the sales process. 
So I'll wait at 30%. The opportunity in the next quarter is still in qualification stages. We're still working on a sponsor, working to see if there's a budget. So we're still filling our way inside the account. So these, this million and this million are not the same. And using percentages, not as probability, just as a quantifiable measure of the sales cycle, I have a metric, I call it weighted coverage, where I take 20% out of this million and 30% out of that million, and I say half X. So far? Now, I'll project these two metrics on two axes. Create pipeline long-term, four quarters, and mature pipeline, mid-term, two quarters. And I'm going to take these two, and I'm juxtapose them, and create some nice quadrant. And uh, you'll see here, this is the coverage, the 1x, 2x, 3x, 4x, 5x, 6x. And that's the weighted coverage. Half x, 1x, 1.5, 2. And David is here. 2x and half x. Already looks dodgy because it's red. And I'll say the treasure trove is up there because here I have, it means I have lots of coverage long-term and lots of maturity mid-term. So I'm well-positioned to achieve in the mid-term and in the long-term, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it to um, a real example. So this is February in one of the quarters of ServiceNow. Each dot here is a sales rep. Okay? So looking at this chart, it already gives me some actionable insights. I look at these folks, and what's my action here? It's to validate their position. They seem to have lots of coverage and good H1 position. They are positioned for the entire year and for H1. And I just need to qualify that what they have there is real and working. One of the measures could be relationship, capitalization, how do we measure it, etc. The folks down here um, have lots of coverage. What I need for them is not more pipeline. Obviously, I need to qualify it as well. But what I need here is not more pipeline. I need to mature what they got to start moving towards the upper quadrant. The folks up here are good for each one. They are not good for the rest of the year. Okay? And the folks here, there were so many that I had to create a red category to <laughs> distinguish them because it was, oh my God, I don't know what I don't know. Is that a good place to be? Is he positioned for success and he isn't? I don't know. So um, the answer is, I mean, it, it is, stands to reason that folks that have pipeline maturity will perform better than those, but it's, it's something that you would believe, but you don't know if that's truly how it pans out. So I've been fortunate enough to be in the company for uh, long enough to see some interesting insights. So first, before I get to performance, looking backwards, once the financial year finished, I looked backwards on the same chart and I distilled just those who left the company. Yeah, attrition. And not surprisingly, maybe, they came from the bottom left quadrant. Some of them, looking at the names, good riddance. Some of them, we whipped and cried because quantifiably, you lose a sales rep, at least in a big enterprise company, that's between one to two to three million dollars cost until you replace, until the ramp, until you get to the same output. So that was um, already sad, and I went and checked few financial years, and I saw the same thing, right? These are three separate financial years. The people who leave come from the bottom left. Now, could it be that they just had enough, or could it be that we didn't assign the right territory? We gave a farmer a hunter territory. We gave a hunter a farmer territory. 
or we didn't give them, or we gave them a territory with nothing at all in there, and they just felt, I might as well leave, right? There's all sorts of reasons for that um, thing, but that's where your risk is, right? It's the writing is on the wall. Second, um, I looked at performance. So I looked at the reps that I had, all those dots, looking backwards. And the average attainment was 110% for this entire group. Take all the reps, how they attained on their quota. Folks on the red did 80%. You might, some of you might say, not that bad on average. Um, however, when you look, as you go further from that red quadrant, the difference has been staggering. 188% here, 80% down here, over 100% difference. However, asking sales reps to attain about, to keep a pipeline of above 3x, especially a large enterprise, or I would say in, almost in any segment, is extremely difficult. There's so many transactions and customers and business you can, you can chase. So I went and tried to do some crossing and, and drawing different lines to see where do I get uh, an attainable pipeline target and get the, the bang for the buck from an attainment perspective. And I found that if I put the line on 2x, the difference in performance is 40% plus for the folks that in the beginning of the year had um, been to the right of this line between the folks that have been to the left of this line. Okay, 40% difference in average attainment. Okay, is that? Sorry, what does that represent in terms of overall percentage attainment? Over a percentage of? So what I mean is that the guys who are on the left side of the red line over a three-year period, yeah. provided they did not go to the dentist enough and, st and stuck with the company, what was their overall attainment over those three years? Did they achieve 80%, 70%? 80%. 80%. Yeah. And that 120. Okay. Yeah. The thing here that um, I message with this um, the story behind this, when I, I tell folks, it's, it's super important to think about behavior, right? It's not just data. So when you come and start showing this data to sales folks and they start saying, well, you're in the red, and the knee-jerk reaction for sales is to go and stick some opportunities in the pipeline, and I'm done. The uh, danger in doing so, I say, is that when you're here, that's a scream for help. Remember all those resources I showed you before? Those are all here to help you. What I want to see you is sustainably moving towards the green. Being in the red is not bad. Being and staying in the red is bad. Obviously, if you have more pipeline, you'll attain more. If it's healthy. If you just stick stuff in to avoid the radar, then you just shot yourself in the foot because the resources will go and focus on those who need help. Okay, so really important to get the messaging right, but also to put beyond, I'm showing, to you, showing you here very simple weighted, unweighted coverage, is to put more stoppages to avoid, to define health in the pipeline rather than coverage. Coverage is just one metric. All right. So I started with the um, key takeaways, but I, you know, I asked someone here, I asked you, right? If, is pipeline a leading indicator or lagging indicator? And you answered leading indicator. Sorry, yeah, leading indicator because good health pipeline obviously is a leading indicator for good performance. However, for me, pipeline is a lagging indicator because back here, imagine two sales reps here. Right? Two sales reps. One is leveraging the ecosystem, is doing all the right thing, reaching out to customer, creating relationships, at, uh, finding the right personas, activating his solution sales, really doing everything that needs to be done 
in order to go and generate pipeline and sustainable and healthy pipeline in the next three to four months. Another guy here, he's doing nothing. So they look the same on this chart, right? So pipeline in that sense is a lagging indicator. And what I'm trying to uh, convey is that for demand gen, demand gen is the really leading indicator of pipeline. Because um, if you have that conversation once a month, rep to manager, separate the forecast, separate the current quarter, just talk about the longer term, you start generating activities and accountability and transparency uh, for the uh, organization and for your sales reps. So have a demand generation for each sales rep, whether it's, he's in the green or he's in the red, they need to know what's the next steps in their territory. All right. Something that is super important, obviously, is what is pipeline? I get this question a lot. What is pipeline? I had an idea. You talk to, no offense marketing or anyone, yeah? The, there was an airplane flying next to London Stock Exchange with a banner. We can put London Stock Exchange in the pipeline, right? Someone must have seen it. <laughs> we can sell something. No, that's not pipeline. Pipeline is when a customer and yourself and a sales rep are willing to go on a sales campaign. Sometimes for a sales rep, it's not worth pursuing a customer. If my average deal size is half a million and I have a customer who wants to buy 20K, I know the amount of overhead I'm going to have with that 20K, I might pursue another customer or client for a half a million, right? So it's when you both agree to go on a sales campaign, not the first meeting even. You really have a set of meetings going um, um, scheduled for the future. During drinks, I'll uh, give you the dating analogy, not here. <laughs> <laughs> and I mentioned that already, uh, car of equitable territories aligned to sales rep DNA. So from there, I'm going to jump to forecasting. Um, what I'm trying to describe here is a guy in behavior that generates data points. It's really important to understand that data normally does not generate itself. It's generated based on human behavior and what people do in systems. What you see here is a typical, I would call, uh, forecast um, from quarter start to quarter end. Uh, a sales leader um, sits there and he looks at what's happening, what, what evidence he's collecting, what's rolling up from the field, what his managers are telling him, and he tries to build a picture. And all of you who started a quarter, they, you know that you start a quarter and clean the pipeline. I can't see my roll-up. There's too much. We can't have. We're not going to close 3x my business. We're not going to close 2x. I need to. You scream, you scream, you scream. After a month, you maybe get to 2x or 1.5x if you're like, like, lucky, right? So um, in the beginning, there's not much evidence. And you listen to your, again, as I said, roll-up, et cetera. And you put down um, uh, a forecast. That forecast develops, clarifies as we go through the quarter. Hopefully, it uh, gets to quota. Hopefully, it even exceeds quota. Or sometimes it's at quota or below quota. But the visibility you really get to where you're going to land is here. There's tons of, I've been in SAP five years. We try to put all kinds of KPIs. Your forecast might, must be between 15%. Three months, I see a lot of notes here. <laughs> but at this point, never worked. It just, folks will put their skin in the game for what they understand and see. So, I just did a Google thing on forecast to calculate or predict, usually as a result of study or analysis of available pertinent data. It's a process, okay? It's not a, um, it, it's based on observations, okay? It's, it's something that we need to see. If I see a cloud coming, I see a rain curtain, the wind is in my direction, I can focus, I'm going to get wet, okay? I try to go to predict, and okay, predict pointed me back to 
forecast, and then it added some prophecy, divine, can't pronounce that. Um, you know, I, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And then I looked at project, and here I saw more words that resonate with me. Estimate or forecast something on the basis of present trends or data. Estimate, calculate, gouge, reckon, expect. Words that kind of are more solidified. Even CNN, when they know something terrifying, they don't forecast it. They project it. <laughs> so here's a, a little data torture for you. What you see, remember the word trend? What you see here is a quarter trended over almost two financial years. The pipeline of the quarter trended over two financial years. The quarter ended with 33 million in the bank. Okay? During Q2, when we looked into Q3, during Q2, there was a peak point of 135 million in the pipeline. Speaking of cleaning the pipeline. Again, it's during Q2, looking to the future of Q3. At the beginning of the financial year, 45 million were marked for Q3. And somewhere here, uh, the year before, there were 10 million marked for, for um, Q3. So far, that trend line is, kind of makes sense? All right. Interesting, five months before a quarter ended, we had the peak point. Now, why do we have that? If you know sales, like I said, we entered Q2. What do the leaders scream? Clean Q2 pipeline. What do salespeople do? Kick the can, right? All the stuff that is being there in the current quarter gets pushed to the following quarter. That's why Q3 inflates. Now, um, is it right? Is it wrong? What's the sales behavior that drives that? I've spoken to numerous salespeople, and this first, they can't be bothered to set the close date right. Second, oh, I needed that resource, so I had to put it in the current quarter. I know it's three quarters from now, but I need that resource now. So they sold all this pipeline, and they said, okay, you get that to see, and you run with it. And then I deflate the opportunity and move it forward. Yeah, all kinds of games um, that are happening. It's behavior. However, I asked, that behavior can't change much every time. So what I did is went and said, if that's Q3, let's look at like 12 quarters, 12 last quarters. And I put it on a beautiful Excel spreadsheet. And I said, week, 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 Q, 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 Q. Can you see it? I ran some AI or Excel conditional formatting on this. And I saw this beautiful green line. Um, the red here is just no data, so ignore that. The red here means little pipeline, but there's some green line, mysterious green line here in the middle of this thing. And if I correlate this back to what I just showed you, basically the colors here say, this is yellow, this is no pipeline, little pipeline. This is the green here is the peak. And the end point is yellow again, because again, it's amount of pipeline that we see over the quarter. And then I said, all right, maybe it's a European thing. So I went and looked at Asia and US. All of them had that beautiful linear green thing going on. So what this green thing means is that every time we get to five months before a quarter end, every single quarter, the peak point happens in exactly that same point. So I asked myself, if I could quantify the health of that pipeline five months before, and I could correlate it to the endpoint, I might have a projection mechanism. So I did. And I came to what we call a pipeline call that I established, that's the dentist appointment. And um, five months before one of those quarters, I um, said, guys, our quota is 55 million, and I built several scenarios. If you're going to do an average conversion, 
based on health, based on a few metrics, average conversion, it, we will hit quota. If you'll do kind of the last six quarters, it's basically a few scenarios. But my favorite scenario was year on year because that quarter was special because I noticed that on that quarter, the behavior is different. And I said, I think we're going to do 72 million. I'm gravitating to this number. Folks thought I am smoked something, lost something, you know, because it's not, it's not just so, so far from the quota. It, is, um, it has financial implications, right? Commission plans are geared towards 55. You hit 72, your commission costs go through the roof. So um, this is five months before. Second day of said quarter, this is the EMEA management WhatsApp forum. I asked the names. The EMEA leader had a birthday, and he asked for $55 million as a birthday present. And I said to him, if you do $55 million, you would do the his, uh, historical low execution on, on historical scale from, from out of your team. Your productivity numbers would be the lowest on record. So that would be, even if you make your number, it's going to be a bad outcome. After he asked for the 55 million, he went in to the system and put in a forecast of 45 million. Okay? He collected evidence, collected evidence. His upside, best case, was 59. Climb, 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 climbed. A week before quarter end, forecast was 63. Upside was 70. We landed on 72.3. Five months before, a week before, right? And then I went on and did it for 12 quarters in a row. So... What does that tell us? Back to forecast is a process. We see certain signs, we collect pertinent present evidence, and then we forecast an outcome. The rain curtain coming, I'm going to get wet. Project is an assumption. We take a past outcome and apply it to the present conditions to project an outcome. I want to redefine predict I, say, I want to say it's best of both worlds. It's a projection adjusted using present pertinent evidence relating to current set of conditions. So when I project January is going to be cold because it's minus five degrees we hit at some point in January every year in a row. However, the last three months, the average temperatures were way higher. January is less likely to be cold. Okay, so um, key takeaways. Projection must have current context. You have to keep looking for evidence. Just having that projection doesn't mean you're going to hit the number. And I'll give you an example. That one year, all my projection was lined up. I said, we're going to have a beautiful Q1. And guess what? We had a disastrous Q1. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what did I do? What happened to the execution, beautiful execution metrics? So I went and dug. And what I found out that um, operations, there was over-rotated territories. So too many accounts switch hands, too much pipeline switch hands. And as a consequence, the guy who was running the deal, and it's a cycle is 9 to 12 months, just looked back and said, I'm not going to get comped on that. I'm done. And the new guy was... Oh my God, what's going on here? Let me get a grip. And what do you know? When you have completely new accounts, you need to build relationships, capital on, uh, capitalize on relationships. It takes time. And it took three quarters to get out of that predicament. So super important to understand that the land you're standing on is the same land that you, have, you are projecting based upon. Think health, not just coverage. I said that coverage is just one metric. We need to think about a whole holistic framework of pipeline health, and we don't have the time to, maybe next GST, <laughs> hire a dentist. <laughs> and I think that's it for me.
offer that there was just one thing you 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 failed to share. I think, which was the you talked about the seventy two million and seventy, and then you ran the analytics for twelve years. What percentage? Or twelve quarters. To how close were you? Three percent. Three percent difference. Three percent. I was. I, I. I was. You know what? I would be happy with ten percent. I would be happy with fifteen percent. To get to three percent was um, was uh, astonishing for me. Um, I'll say that one time. Um, I, I always tell the, told the organization, my, my job is not to forecast. Your job is to forecast. My job is to tell you when you're not on your way uh, to um, hitting your goal. And that actually happened one uh, quarter that five months before I saw, oh, my God, we're not on track based on the pipeline data, the health of the data, and what we need to achieve and our execution. And I saw that the following quarter is overheating in terms of pipeline. So if we were to miss our number in the next quarter, we wouldn't be able to catch up the following quarter because that will mean a record productivity per rep. And there's just so many deals you can chase, right? So I suggested a program of pull forward. And when I say program, it's not just an after... um, um, an afterthought on a forecast call, all right, what can we bring forward from the following quarter or two quarters from now? Uh, the, it, it's separating it and really coming at it left field or right field on a separate cadence where the only discussion, the only topic is pull forward. That's what we're going to talk about on this call. Because if you don't separate that, if you're trying to do it on the back of a tough forecast call anyhow, because you're not about to make your numbers, you're just not going to get the effect that you want. So we identified where, which pockets have that overheated Q, uh, uh, Q2, current quarter plus two, and how we can pull forward. And we saved the quarter that way. And okay. I have numerous examples yeah. of that from okay. SAP as well. So um, are there any questions any of you would like to ask Offer? So, Offer, I just wanted to give some you know, fantastic presentation. Um, Thank you. You know, um, I'm just reflecting a little back 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I think we stopped uh, projecting the next quarter results, I think, a few years ago. Um, Because for nearly 15 years, during a quarterly investor call, we used to say how much percentage we're going to grow in the next quarter. And... uh, 90% 90% of the time, we got it right. And whenever we got it right, our market cap like went up a couple of billion dollars. Whenever we got it wrong, it went down dramatically. Yes. You know, it's like we, we just done a phenomenal <laughs> quarter, right? We, the results are out for this quarter, but the hell, you know, people are already reacting to our projections next quarter, which is based on a bunch of sales guys, you know, giving you these... Yeah. The, the you know the ups and downs right so I can really see uh, why this predictive uh, forecasting is so important for the top management right to make such predictions in the market because it's really important right but what is your experience you know did actually people in the sales really change or change their behavior based on like let's say before you started doing this job and after yes. doing this job, did anybody actually change in the sales? Or basically what I'm saying is, did you really matter to the people who actually sold stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the first things um, I mentioned there, and I didn't have time to cover here, but it was the coordination of all organization. So the KPIs I came up with were uh, around the four quarters that um, you saw in the rep the, the, uh, uh, example and by the way, I expanded the month, the quarter model to an annual model as well, um, where you have more data and even more better projection. The um, putting those KPIs that connect marketing, so you start, they come to QBR and they say, okay, our contribution is this in your sales KPI, 
and having solutions just come in and say, this is our contribution to the pipeline from our perspective. And you start um, slicing and dicing it and seeing where their contribution is, is not as much. So let's say in Asia, they miss some, they miss some pipeline. They're not doing as well in, as in EMEA. Okay, so now you start copying best practices and you say, what are you doing well in EMEA that you are not doing well in Asia? And you start copying, so you get that kind of extra benefit, right? Just by talking about stuff and looking at KPIs. However, to get that effect that you are talking about, I have established a completely separate cadence of pipeline calls. You, you, I've been in companies where it was done on the back of a focus call. Last five minutes, let's talk about pipeline. And everybody's tired. And also, the audience on the forecast call is not the same audience as on marketing. Don't generally participate in, in a forecast call. It's not effective time use of the time. So when you create a pipeline call and you bring around the table the right parties and you display the right KPIs and you look at health and you say, that's our next step. That's what we all need to focus on. And if a leader grabs the bull by its horns and says, Guys, 20 things come out of this single pane of glass, right? 20 things going wrong. We're going to take one, three, and five, and we're going to hammer the execution out of it. Now, for the next call, I want marketing to come with a plan for one, three, and five, and I don't care what's happening in the marketing world. Partners, you're going to come with a plan for one, three, and five, and I don't care what else is happening. We're just tackling this. Okay, and sales managers, I want you to focus your conversation with the, your reps on one, three, and five. When you coordinate all those resources and you start measuring those programs, you create change. You cannot create change by doing what you're doing, to your, to your point. Does it make sense? Yeah. No, we don't even let the marketing come into our call. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, uh, Katie, but that's, do, you a, do you have a comment to make about that? Uh, but here's, here's what happened. From marketing coming with a set of KPIs of their own, or even coming with aligned KPIs, they stopped coming, looking at their KPIs. They said, you know what, product A, product B. We've hit our number on product A as marketing, and we didn't hit our, marketing, our, our, our target on product B. However, product A still misses pipeline, because sales, whatever, didn't ge generate enough. And product B has ample pipeline at the moment. So they come to the pipeline call and they say, you know, we hit our KPI here, but we're going to double down on this. And we're going to not hit our KPI on product B, because it doesn't matter. The business has the pipeline. And when the marketing come with that business context into that conversation, sales leader has no complaints. They understand where my issues are. They're already proactively changing their guns in the right direction. Let's move on. What else is not working? Okay. All Any right. more questions? Well, how do you think your um, predictive um, piece there would, would work cross industry? I mean, so you, you're obviously a software company. Do you think it would, do you suspect, I know you can't say for sure, but do you just, I suspect yes, yeah. because it's based on sales behavior. Yeah, that's my behavior. It's true. I worked for SAP. I worked for uh, Convolt, and and I've you know SAP was huge company. Convolt was a two billion dollar company, and the same behavior um, uh, was was unbelievably similar because yeah. also the sales reps mobilize between companies and they just do what they do. Yeah, just, like um, just, yeah. uh, just a follow-up question to, to James is, um, does your model only take into account what's happening within ServiceNow or SAP or does it also have an angle in terms of bringing in additional intelligence from what are some of those target customers going through, right? I mean, you spoke about contextual I think land or whatever, right? That the yeah. context yeah. of the land remains the same, right? For for instance, if you had like a BP or a BA, right, in the pandemic, right? I mean, they just fell off the cliff. Yes. Right? So, How does it take into account that? So um, indeed, when COVID hit, 
one of the things we um, did across the pipeline metrics, we called it industry risk. So we quantified, we said, okay, those interests, at the beginning, you, you know, nobody knew anything. We just knew, okay, airlines going to go down, yeah? So they're not going to have budgets. And then we, we marked all those airlines as uh, that pipeline is, is, is at risk because that industry is at risk. And we started giving everyone, okay, you hit your target for pipeline, however, 20% of it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then we found out that some things went the other way around because at least ServiceNow was um, a game changer in digital transformation. And what this pandemic did is accelerate digital transformation. And what those companies needed the most is um, to get efficient and, and, and accelerate. And we found ourselves selling to companies that are struggling more than companies that are actually okay. So, I mean, it, it sometimes we put the KPI forward, but eventually when we looked at some of the outcomes, it was uh, quite astonishing to see that uh, it was flipped. When you, you've looked at what success looks like and then the opportunities with the highest probability of closing, have you done any analysis around the relationships and of meetings? No, and, and that's a great question. And I would say that when I talk about health, yeah, I, I've, I'm thinking AI, machine learning, I don't think we quite got there, but I'm thinking how do you quantify that, uh, you know, you... you Here's the thing, the banner, right, example. I, I have an idea. Some, you have the whole range of salespeople, right? You have those who um, think about something and say, I can sell that to that customer. Let's put an opportunity. And you got those who are not, uh, didn't get the order form, they will not put the opportunity in, right? So you have all that range of behaviors, and that's baked into the model. However, um, that definition of pipeline and getting people comfortable to putting opportunities that they will lose and we learn from losing and we try to treat it, treat it as a gold mine, not as a shame and, and uh, blame and shame. Um, that's, that, that is something that you constantly have to enforce uh, with, your, with your sales force. It, it's truly behavior and cultural um, um, impact that you need to make on your, on your organization. And it starts from the top. Sorry, Katie. Oh, sorry, no, gentlemen, and then Katie. I'll go. Just a quick question on on the when you were doing the weighted coverage, you put down in the expectation of what might be in the pipeline at thirty percent or twenty percent. What's the what's the what would what advice would you give us around the learning mechanism to improve our capability at putting a predictive percentage on it? I would say um, start with, um, you have seven, eight sales stages, right? You just put them in a certain, um, you set them. Let's say one, 10, 20, 30, 40. It almost doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter. And you start measuring. And then you look at success, successful reps and you see, you know, what was their weighted coverage that led them to success? and you start setting benchmarks based on historical trends. You obviously can start with an arbitrary one, uh, median, right, to, to see who is above, who is below, different actions for each. However, with time, you see a trend. And I found out that 1x for two quarters, again, it, it depends on your business. If your business is a monthly business, yeah, then, then those, those long-term is, your long-term is a quarter and, and your short-term is a month. Yeah, and so it depends on how your business is structured and what your sales cycle is. However, you, you, you start setting some measurements and very quickly it bubbles up. Where do you need to be in order to be successful? And sometimes it's just starting to measure. Okay. Um, can we give off a round of applause? Thank you. I'm sorry. I missed your question. <laughs> got yeah, yeah, I'm so, terribly sorry. So one yeah. thing you touched on, so I work at SAP. We are very costly driven. Um, how do you drive the right behaviour of your sales team when you've got to take into, into effect full customer lifetime value? So what I mean is we move from, say, a perpetual licensing model to a subscription-based model. Those deals are very small. You touched on it. You said the sales rep is not going to care about the 20K deals and the target's 500K. How do you drive that right behaviour, knowing that 
they're not going to hit a quarterly target, but for the greater good, two, three years down the line. If, if, if Vodafone, my mother-in-law, saw them an iPhone 13 at £50 a month, she would begrudge it and she wouldn't be new after a year. If you sold her an iPhone 11 at £30 a month, she'd be loyal to the brand and she'd probably renew. So her overall value is going to be far greater. Same with SAP. We have this problem. We don't sell cloud licenses because the account teams are driven by behaviours that force them to sell much bigger deals. Well, I would say the salespeople are coin-operated, right? So you got to put it in the compensation plan. That's, that's one thing. Um, uh, a sure, almost sure uh, way of getting what you want. Uh, other than that, it's about um, having that pipeline call, that pipeline conversation, and talking about what are you planning to do in the next quarters, and I don't see enough subscription, and following up on the, fo the following call, and, following up, and, and having that tough conversation. Listen, mate, you are going to hit your targets, but you're not doing the right thing for the business. So it depends what your long-term goals are. If you're looking to, you know, getting promoted or becoming a manager or becoming a manager of managers, you're not hitting it in the right way. You've got to understand what the organization wants out of you. It's not just about hitting that, uh, putting that check in the bank. Yeah, it's, it's, sometimes it's a tough conversation if it's not in the comp plan. I think that's the key. It's not in the comp plan more times than yeah, I, I agree. But setting the time aside for a pipeline discussion and not how you're going to, what's your number this quarter? What's your number? What's your number? Then talking about the long term and what you're doing. All right, this quarter you don't have those subscription conversion. That's fine. Let's talk about next quarter. Or let's say about two quarters from now. All right, another round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So what's your selling approach like? Are you selling in a way that your customers want to be sold to? From our research, only 10% of salespeople sell in a way that customers want. But what do customers want when they're being sold to? It's no secret that here at Consalia, we've embedded the sales values and mindsets that customers want to see in salespeople into everything we do, from our sales business school through to our sales transformation offering. So how do you know whether or not you've got them? We have a very simple mindset survey to see if you possess these key values. It's really straightforward to use, it will only take a few minutes to complete and you'll be sent your results straight after. You may be just a bit surprised at the results yourself. Check out the show notes at the end of this podcast episode. What you do with the results next is your choice. We're happy to dive deeper into these results to discuss what they mean or even explore the idea of finding out if your customers see these key values in your approach.